November 9th, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, basically in the middle, maybe a little bit below, at the new Mishnah. It says the Mishnah, if you recall, our Pedic started with, these are the people who get the death penalty of being burned to death. Now we're going to read about Neheragin, otherwise known as Saif. But in the way we know it, it's the Kilas Now we're going to talk about the people. We described how it was committed, how that death penalty was put into motion. But we're going to talk about the types of people who had wrongdoings which brought them to such a death penalty. I'm really only going to mention two, Haroseach, and the second, we already talked about at the end of the Masechet and Daf Kofiod Aleph through Daf Kofiod Gimal. That's the people of Eir Hanidahat, of course, the city where the majority of the people worshipped Avodah Zarah. And so, therefore, the people who worshipped are put to death through Herig and their property is taken separately and Asubahana'an destroyed, burnt in the middle of the city. Uh, the first that's mentioned in our Mishnah, though, is Roseah. That's the primary case with regards to a person who's put to death. By Herig, it's a person who in, initially had put another to death, uh, a murderer. Says the Mishnah in describing really that first one, Roseach, Roseach if a person, uh, a murderer, uh, strikes another, Be'even or Be'barzel, whether it's an instrument which is made out of stone, or alternatively it's made out of iron, that's Barzel, Vikashvash alav letochamayim, or he presses him down. Uh, the other, the, the person who's, who's suffering the death into water or into fire. If you pay careful attention, it, it would seem that there are a plethora of other un- unfortunate, terrible circumstances you and I could make up for ways in which a person could kill another. What's the significance of these four? Some of the Aharonim point out that if you pay attention, we're really uh, detailing the four types of death penalty over here. I pay attention for a moment. Even would be sikila. Barzil would probably be heading, would be beheading with a, almost a sword or a knife-like instrument. Um, Maim would be henek, it's strangulation. Of course, ur, ish, would be serefa, which means to say that the Mishnah might be hinting to us the four types of death penalty. If you, if a person were to kill another with any of those four types of ways, you maybe would imagine that the same way we have, and we've talked about it here, we talk about it in the first chapter of Masechet Makot, the concept of edim zomimin, ve'asitim lo ka'asher zamam la'asot la'achiv, you do to one as he conspired to do to another. Maybe over here, where you actually took the life of another, we'd say kalvahomer, in a circumstance where edim zomimin tried to take the life of another. Uh, let's say they said he uh, violated Shabbat. They get put to death with Sikilah, where they tried to do that. Imagine if a person was actually sokel another. Imagine if a person actually stoned Lo uh, Aleinu, his friend or a person that he knows. Maybe over there he should be put to death as well. Kalva Homer. That's the Hidush of the Mishnah that we don't say. So we have a specific and, and, and singular punishment for anyone who's a Roseach, irrespective of how they did so, and that's Mitat Herig. The truth is, according to Tosafot, understanding and daf beta mudbet in masechet makot at the very top that's what the gemara is kind of spelling out with regards to why you can't really use kalva in the context of edim uh, zomimin that's how tosafot explains that line over there but okay that's our mishnah with regards to those who are put to death by herig and 
any type of murderer. If a person terribly takes the life of another, they get put to death with hating. Um, now the Mishnah explains, it qualifies those last two. When we said the person's pressing down another into fire, into water, in a certain respect, suffocating or bringing upon that death, they're not doing it, so to speak, with their hands in the full sense. They're doing it with the aid of water or fire. It's specifically, it's that they're holding them down to the extent that they're not able to rise out of the water, they're not able to get out of the fire. So maybe they're keeping their hand on them throughout. I mean, they push them down far enough that objectively speaking, it's impossible for them to escape. In that circumstance, they're hayav. Alternatively, or in contrast, what if in a terrible circumstance, someone pushes another into the water or into the fire, and, and they can emerge from there. Uh, but something else happens. There's another mitigating circumstance, and as a result, they're not able to get out of the fire. They don't get themselves out of the water. Patur. In such a circumstance, the person doesn't get death penalty. That's not to say that they didn't do the wrong thing. It's not to say that they're not punished. They have what's called mitabi de shabayim. It's called gerama. If something is caused by you in terms of uh, bringing the death of another, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to deal with that. The heavenly abode will have their uh, dealings and judgment upon you. But in terms of din in this world, mitabi de adam, we wouldn't affect that unless it's more direct. You might notice as well, the Gemara will pick up on this in the first line, that there's a difference in wording. In the case where we talked about you were pressing them down and holding them there without giving them the ability to escape in some respect, the Lashon of the Mishnah was Kavash. The Lashon over here is Dahaf. Kavash means to press, Dahaf means to push. It really could have ostensibly been the same word in both. The Gemara will pick up on that, but for our purposes right now, what's uh, necessary to realize is uh, that there's a distinction between if something is what we consider direct, that's herek, uh, and something that's gerama, where you're going to be patur. It's absolutely asur, you're absolutely going to get punishment, just not mitabi de adam. Lastly, says the Mishnah, shisabo et kelev, shisabo et nahash. What if you provoke a uh, dog, or a rabid dog, let's say, or a snake uh, upon this person, and it brings to their death? Patur, again, another one of these circumstances where actually absolutely is asur, you'll absolutely have to give din v'cheshbon to borei olam, but in terms of our ability to put you to death, to judge you in this world, we don't do so, we see that as gerama, we see that as removed. You are responsible, you were involved, but it wasn't direct, and as a result, we won't take your life. Edzomem, the Gemara says in two places, both in Masechet Sanhedrin, and alludes to this in Makot, the Gemara calls it Hidushu. Edzomem is very difficult to wrap our head around, where they didn't actually pull off anything and they're still put to death. It's not only is it any, how's it any worse? It's much worse, right? Whatever, it's it's much worse. They're actually bringing forth the death of another, and Edzomem doesn't even pull it off. Uh, that's the Edzomem uh, is the parasha bifnei atzma. We can't learn kavachomer from Edzomem. Um, in terms of this, we'll have a dirasha in the Gemara that mitab be resihabi grama is not going to bring a, a liability of death penalty. You won't get mitab bedin.
אז anyway, שיסה בו את הנחש, או שיסה בו את הכלב, פטור, השיך בו את הנחש. What, instead of, instead of provoking the snake, instead of leading the snake to another, I take the snake and you open the mouth of the snake, bring the person's arm and you clamp down the mouth of the snake onto the person. As a result, the venom injects this person and the person dies. In such a circumstance, Rabbi Yehuda mechayev ha'chamim potrim, it's kind of easier maybe for us to understand Rabbi Yehuda over there. You're using the snake as a weapon. How could the We'll see the Gemara will address this uh, in just a bit. And the Gemara will suggest it has to do with their vision of what's actually taking place when you clamp down uh, the mouth. How does the venom come out? All right, anyway, that being the case, that's our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, jumping to it. Why is it that the Torah doesn't say the word Yad? Now, Yad, well, take a look at Rashi very briefly with me. Rashi on the left-hand side, just uh, about 10 lines from the bottom. Lo ne'emar yad bebarzel. Says Rashi, kema sheneemar, as the pasuk says. And he cites a pasuk from the end of Sefer Bimidbar. And I'll read it to you on my Gemara, found on the side. Vi'im be'even yad, you heard that word? Even, as stone. Yad, ashe yamut bahikahu vayamot vayamot. So the first description in the Torah, a terrible circumstance, a person holds some sort of um, stone instrument with yad. Yad means it has some sort of measurement. It has an ability to look at it and say he's holding on to the handle of it. He's grasping it in his hand. Obviously, anything that you're using to kill another person with your hand is in your hand. In fact, the Torah designates yad means that it's got a certain measurement to the extent that you're holding on to it and it still has something coming out, protruding from it. Continues the pasuk or the pesukim. Or bichli etz yad asher yamut bo hikahu vayamot. So then it says etz. Etz, of course, is, is is something that's made out of wood. And again, the Torah uses the word uh, yad in that context. Uh, but We'll have to address throwing in a bit, but even if you're throwing, potentially, it would have to have a yad. We'd have to look at it and say it was from your force. We'd have to figure that out, but yes. And in the second Perik Masech Makot determines in what circumstances is throwing going to be considered a resiha. Uh, uh, but, but for our purposes, it has to do with the measurement of the item. So it says the word yad when it comes to etz, when it comes to even, when it comes to wood, and when it comes to stone. It doesn't, as Rashi conclude, use that word when it talks about iron. The Pasuk alternatively says, There's no word Yad over there. So there's a basic discrepancy. Open up to the Torah, you don't understand. By two of the three materials that are used as a mechanism to taking the life of another, the Torah says Yad. It sounds like it has a measurement. Uh, irrespective for our purposes right now of how you're doing. So the Torah describes a measurement with regards to how we determine that you're a murderer. But it doesn't say that when it comes to Barzel, when it comes to iron. So that's what Shemuel is very basically pointing out. Amar Shemuel, back in the Gemara, Why is it that the Torah doesn't mention that word Yad uh, designating for us, denoting for us a measurement in the size of the uh, instrument they're using to kill? Shahabarzel Memit bekol shehu. The answer of Shemuel is that the barzel iron has a different, uh, different feature. Iron is more potent or it's more uh, lethal. And as a result, any sized 
uh, instrument of killing that's made out of iron will make you liable to death penalty. Uh, how so? Why is iron different than wood or than uh, stone? Suggests Rashi, well, if you read Rashi for a moment with me, Rashi, Shabarzel, Memit Bekol Shehu, Al Yede Tehiva, Shetohev Lo Mahat Baveshet Obelibo. Says Rashi, through piercing. You take something that's made out of iron and you pierce it into the person's veshit, into their windpipe on their neck, or into their live, into their heart. In such a circumstance, iron will pierce through and it has the potency and the lethal capability beyond that of anything else. Tosafot, I think we're all imagining it, asks the very basic question, says, listen, I don't know your particulars, Rashi, but I could imagine you have something called a mahat, says, says Tosafot. A mahat is a needle. A needle could be made out of a, pretty much anything. If you find the right place, on the body of another, to puncture, you go into wood, will do it. Uh, stone will do it if you found the right softness in terms of, uh, in such a circumstance, you could bring that about as well. Instead, suggest Tosafot based on the Gemara elsewhere, Masech, uh, based on the Gemara elsewhere in Shabbat and Hulin and so forth, says Tosafot, rather it's because Barzela Mizraf Zarif, which means to say by striking with iron, there's a certain density, there's a certain strength to the iron that it brings forth a wound on the person in ways beyond, and I think we can kind of, I don't know, I can't speak scientifically, but I can uh, experientially uh, 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 associate with this, the idea being that, that iron would have the ability to harm another and bring forth their death in ways easier, let's say, with less strength, with less precision than Etz and Evin. So that's the statement here of Shemuel, says the Gemara Tanya Nameh Hacheh. Indeed, we have a Beraita, Tanya is a Beraita Nameh, also Hacheh like this. We have Shemuel is one of the Emoraim, it's from the time of the Gemara. The Gemara now backs up Shemuel's statement with a Beraita, which precedes him several hundred years, that's from the time of the Mishnah that states explicitly, as Shemuel suggested, how so? Says the Beraita, Rabbi Omer. Rabbi is Rabbi Huda Hanasi, that's the, uh, the composer, the editor of our Mishnayot. His statement here in the Beraita, Galui ha'olam. It's revealed and known in front of he who created the, uh, the world. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shehabarzel memit bekol shehu that iron has the capability of killing bikol shehu without a, without a measurement to it. Lefichach, therefore, iron is separated, it's distinguished from etz and even in the Torah, lefichach lo natena Torah bo shi'ur. And it's for that reason that the Torah provides no necessary men- measurement for the uh, size of an iron uh, weapon. Says the Gemara, concluding this, now we finish the Beraita, the Gemara concludes to its words, someone's injecting these words, it's not from the Beraita, the Hanemileh, but you should know this is specifically so, de barzeh mivraz. It's in a circumstance where he was struck in a direct fashion. How so? Says Rashi, what we're talking about is the person takes the, the sharp side of, uh, or, or the sharp top or sharp side of a knife and strikes the other with that. That's where we say iron has the potency and the lethal capability beyond anything else. If he's alternatively using the iron to strike through might, so then the Gemara is suggesting it's no different than even or eight. When it, what's that? And it's stronger than wood or, uh, or, or stone? We'd have to speak to a, sci- well, a doctor or a scientist on this one. I don't know. That's, that's, that's the suggestion. I, I hear you. I, you know. 
No, no, we don't have bullets here. And we're not talking arrows either. No, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about striking. But that's the Gemara's distinction, ultimately speaking. All right, we'll have plenty more time to develop these sorts of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Masri points out that even arrows, they put metal heads on them. Why do they put metal heads? Why didn't they leave it as wood? So the answer is that the. Not saying no. Less chance. It's less, less, less prone to than uh, than than. Uh, Is that going to change the reality over here? It's true. And as a result, so Judah adds, not only is it necessarily the consistency with regards to the... He's, he's just adding to the mixture that it's easier to sharpen it and to give a precise sharpness with iron than as opposed to the other two. All right, anyway, says the Gemara, or at the very least, easier. Not that you can't do it with stone. The kavash alav the Gemara now goes on to the next words in the Mishnah. If you recall, again, the Mishnah talked about where you're not, per se, strangulating the person, but you're pushing them underwater, under a fire, excuse me, you're not, another person is doing so to a person, and that brings forth their death. So the Mishnah said if your hand is on them and they push them to the point where they can't return, so that's where they're hayav mitah. If they just push them in and didn't uh, maintain their stri- their hold on them in such a circumstance asur but patur says the gemara resha that's a that's ka- that's kavash that's the first of the two cases kavash it doesn't matter swim kavash no hayav because he can't get out says the gemara resha rivuta kamashmalan vesefa rivuta kamashmalan the word rivuta means a hidush the first Let's see. Let's see in the Gemara. Uh, uh, can't be. Says the Gemara, Resha Rebuta Kamashma'lan, Vesefa Rebuta Kamashma'lan. Each of these two statements is teaching a Hidush. Again, the difference in language already designates to us that we have more than just two sides of the same coin. We're telling you something more than that. Resha Rebuta Kamashma'lan, the Hidush in the uh, the novelty, the idea that you wouldn't have known from the first statement of Kavash the Hidush is even if you didn't push the individual in, meaning you didn't take the first act, but he could swim. But, but now, maybe this is what made him, but now you're keeping your hand on him while he's in the water. But you didn't do the initial act. You were partnering with someone else. Someone else did the initial act. Maybe he should be Hayav. He'd never be in this case, in this situation, had that person not pushed him in. But the counterclaim to you is, uh, but wait a second, if you didn't keep your hand on him, he wouldn't have drowned. Of course, if we're talking about a case like Charlie says, I mean, it's, it's quite clear, if he's pushed in and doesn't know how to swim and you happen to run along and put your hand on top of him, you're not doing anything. The first guy's going to be high up, but over here, where he could swim and would get out, you, not you, the person who's keeping their hand up on their head on, uh, or making certain that they can't get out, hayav, that's the haydushif. We're saying that for our purpose, we'll talk about culpability of more than one at a, about a death and a half. At this juncture, the second person's hayav at the very least. What's that? That's right. That's right. No, no, he's... A, 
Alright. Alright, agreed. Uh, the question will be Kuhu Asara bene Adam, for example, who's Hayaf. That's ten people Lo who struck a person. Uh, does the first person have a cap- culpability? He says, uh, says uh, if it's not bevatahat, or even if it is bevatahat, each one of them should be able to claim my strike wasn't the final blow. I will deal with that. Uh, the second part of the Mishnah also has a hidush. Even if uh, you, that person was the uh, individual who pushed him in, pushed the person who ends up dying in. Uh, since he could get out, I don't know why he died. Or maybe it was someone else. Maybe it was some other uh, extenuating circumstance. Patur. Right. Right, but again, the Hidush over here is, in, in the second case, let's say it was in Roaring Rapids. Let's say you pushed him in, and someone also comes along and puts their, head on, or their hand onto him. That's right, maybe you should be Hayav as well. He wouldn't have been in the water had it not been for you. Hidush is patur. All right, Kavash Minalan says the Gemara, who said there's a culpability? Who said there's a Hiyuv at all? When you're not actually taking the person's life biyadayim, meaning I'm pushing him under and the water or the fire is what's taking the effect. It's not my might. It's not my precision in stabbing him. That's what the Torah talks about. The Torah describes the, I hate to call it this, but the standard cases of murder. The Torah doesn't talk about where you suffocated an individual. It doesn't talk about where you pushed him under. Who said that's hayav? Amar Shemuel de Amar And before we move on, and you'll see the word in just a line from now, the word that describes this hayuv, not only so this hayuv is misamsim. The word simsum we know from elsewhere in the Gemara, maybe we know from Kabbalah as well. Simsum means something that's confined. And that's the word that's really going to describe what we're talking about over here. Because what we're talking about is you're confining the person, you're sticking them in this place. You're not allowing for them to move. Who said that simsum, or what we call misamsim, is hayav? So that's Gemara, Amar Shemuel de Amar Kera, O be'eva lerabot et ha-mesamsem. Interestingly, says Shemuel, if you read the Torah, the Torah seems to have an unnecessary word. Uh, here in the Pasuk it says, O be'eva hikahu be'yado v'yamot mot yumat roseahu. Pasuk begins with O be'eva. Eva refers to hatred, uh, an uh, enemy-like uh, attack of the person. You needed to tell me the mindset of the individual? I mean, he killed him purposefully. Why does it say O be'eva? Why is it the malicious intent that's somehow injected into the Pasuk? Those extra, that extra word, those extra words, O be'eva, come to tell you, says Shemuel, or as he's suggesting for Mishnah, an altogether different case where the person isn't directly with their hands causing the the ultimate death, but it's with their hands allowing for something else to kill them. That's Eva. That might even be more cruel. Uh, but even if it's not, in such a circumstance, the Torah is hinting to us that you're Hayav. So as the Gemara, I have a story along the lines of Misamsim. Don't get excited. Not a sweet story. But instead of being Misamsim, Lo'alenu, a person, what if you're Misamsim, an animal? Again, Misamsim means to confine, means to place the individual or the being in a place where they can't move that will bring them to death. Hahu Gavra says the Gemara, we've been talking again until now about doing it to a person. There was a person, but he didn't do it to another person. The Misamsima, there's the word, he confined, Lehayuta de Havre Bishimsha. He confined, he locked up, he put a, some sort of box around, or he held it, or somehow tied it up, an animal, a haya of his friend in the shimsha, in the sun. 
And that's going to bring, of course, to both um, uh, exhaustedness, and it's going to be burnt by the side. It's going to die. It has no way of moving. It's going to be thirsty. Vameta, and it died, the animal. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? On the one hand, the pasuk, obe'eva, was a reference to a person who takes the life of another person. On the other hand, is that conceptually telling us now that there's no difference between confining and striking and stabbing? What's that? This is absolutely purposeful. Absolutely purposeful. Here, purposeful. We, we could get into the case, we could let them make the claim. There is no such claim. We're in the court case, and what's that? That's to a certain extent the question, the Gemara. Says the Gemara, what's the halakha? Ravina Mehayev, Ravahaba Rav Patar. There was a mahlok between Ravina and Ravahaba Rav how to treat the individual who uh, took the life or damaged the property, let's use that, of another through what we call mitzamsim. Explains the Gemara, let's exp- uh, each of these opinions. Ravina mehayev, why is it that Ravina says that you're hayav in a circumstance where you're again mitzamsim benizikin, that's what we call this, mitzamsim benizikin, why you're hayav? Kalvahomer, he says it's a logical deduction. Although we just in Amud go said, in onshin min hadin, and onshin min hadin, as we pointed out, is you can't give death penalty through logic. Over here, we're not giving death penalty. You've damaged the person's goods. We can uh, obligate you to pay money. What's that? Goods. Goods, goods we do, minhadin. Life, we don't do, minhadin. We take your money, maybe, minhadin. Not maybe, we certainly do. We don't take your life, minhadin. Says the Gemara, Ravina mehayev kalva homer. Umaroseh shelo asabo shogeh kemezid veones kerason, hiev bo tamesamsem, nezikin she asabahem shogeh kemezid veones kerason, enodin she hiev bahen etamesamsem. I have a little bit of experience with these lines to understand this might jam people up. So the, the, pre, the, the, I'm, I'm just prefacing this by explaining. We are not in this moment saying in any way that damaging is more in the holistic sense, in the larger, broader spectrum, uh, more hamur, more severe than a person who kills. Uh, never would, never should, and such a, and such, no thought is al-hadat. What we are doing is we're noticing that in the way that the Torah, that the halakha instructs us to treat the person who either damages versus the person who kills, the Torah is more severe with regards to its perspective on damaging. Why would it be so? Well, we can kind of understand that the punishment for killing is going to be that you get put to death. The Torah is going to be a little bit more lenient over there with regards to putting you to death. If there is room for leniency with regards to taking your money, the Torah is going to say, if you took the money of another, we're going to be more severe. So the kal and the homer, the more light case, the more severe case, we're going to be learning from the homer to the kal is going to be a little counterintuitive. We're going to use nizikin as the homer. How's that? because the way the Torah treats your doing is a lot more strict and the kal is going to be death and putting to death and that's going to be more uh, uh, that's going to be the kal so as a result says the Gemara here's the, here's the way we parallel these if when it comes to death penalty, we know this from the Torah, we know from the second Perik Masechet Makot, we know from general knowledge. Death penalty, the only time a person gets put to death for killing another, according to the Torah, is if it was purposeful, with purposeful intent. We call that rason, purposeful intent, and action we call mezid, he did it with purposeful action. In such a circumstance, and only in such a circumstance, do you get, does a person get put to death. Otherwise, they go to Ir Miklat, they have the city of refuge. 
That's the Torah's way. The Gemara Makot calls that a kapara. That's your way of achieving some sort of atonement. The Torah is a little bit lighter. Again, the only time a person gets put to death for putting another to death is if it's mezid verason. What about if a person damages the goods of another person? When are they liable? They're liable almost under all circumstances. Whether it's mezid or shogeg, whether it's rason or not, uh, real onus will be out, but generally speaking, they're obligated in all of that's, that's the Mishnah in Masechet Bava Kama. The Mishnah and Davkafav in Masechet Bava Kama says, Adam Mu'ad Le'olam. Mu'ad means he's, uh, he's prone to this. We look at the person and we say, You were doing it purpose. I wasn't doing it purposefully. We're treating you irrespective of the circumstances, intent, and so forth, as purposeful, even if you're sleeping and you damage someone else's goods. Under most circumstances, you're going to be a Hayav. Well, that being the case, says the Gemara. Now that I've noticed that, I have a kalvahomer to set up. On the one hand, I look at nizikin as more hamur, it's more severe. I'm treating you under all circumstances as obligated if you did the deed to another person. On the other hand, roseach is more kal. That's only if you did it shot mezid and rason. Now, what does the Torah tell us about misamsem? The Torah tells us by roseach, misamsem is hayav. So it stands to reason that it will be hayav as well by nizikin because the way in which a person does what they did is more severe in Nezikin than in Ritzichah. Not that the act qualitatively is worth, no such thought. I've had days and weeks of my life in the school setting killed over this line where the kids have a uh, existential uh, meltdown where they say, how could it be that Nezikin is considered more hamur? So I have to preface very carefully. It's not that it's more hamur, it's that the action is treated more severely. Anyway, that's the statement of Ravina. Ravina's claim as a result is Kalva Homer to say that Misamsem bin Nezikin is Hayav. That's the claim of Ravina. Ravahabar Rav does not himself respond, and we don't even have a response to the Kavacham. We have just a different angle. Again, keep in mind, that's the opinion of Mehayev. Rav Aha says the Gemara, two lines from the top here, and Dafayin Zayin Amud Aleph. Rav Aha Barav Poter, here's the reasoning. Amar Rav Meshav Sheya, Maitameh, what's the reason? De'avuha de'abba. Can you imagine? It's the grandson of the rabbi who's now defending his grandfather. It's a beautiful thing. It's the chain of tradition over here, says the Gemara. The grandson says, what's uh, Jiddos, what's uh, Zaydi's uh, reasoning over here? What's uh, grandpa's reasoning? He says, Amar Kera, it's because the Pasuk says, Mot yumat hamake roseahu. Beroseahu dechievlan mesamsem benizikin lochievlan mesamsem. The very Pasuk from which we derive this concept of mesamsem, if you recall, was Obeeva, right? That's how we started this whole sugya just a bit ago. So I'm going to read to you the pasuk. Obeeva hikau biyado vayamot. Mot yumatamake. It should, so we should suffice with that. If a person struck another, whether with some sim or with his hand, however he did it, motu matamake, the person who struck is motu The Torah adds an extra two words. Roseah, oh, he's a murderer. Well, why are you telling me he's a murderer? I know he's a murderer. He struck the other and he died. To tell you only in a murder situation, not in an Ezekiel situation. That's what we call Gezerat HaKatub. He's not really lending himself this opinion to a logic. He's more than anything just appealing to the words in the Pasuk. I don't know why. 
You have a kavachoma, I understand your kavachoma. I have a pasuk though. How do you explain those extra words of Roseahu? It seems clear to me that Misamsim Benizikin is going to be patur. Uh, what's the halachal ma'aseh? The Gemara doesn't really address this further. The halachal ma'aseh is Misamsim Benizikin is hayav based on that kavachomer. Continues the Gemara just a bit more. It says the Gemara, let's deal with some classic cases, terrible cases, of Misamsim and try to distinguish, understand when is a confinement of of one to another going to bring them death penalty, when's it not? Under all circumstances, should not be done. It's a terrible thing to be done. It's going to be a mitabide shamayim, irrespective of whether we have mitabide adam or not. But we want to talk about, with regards to the courts, when are we putting, uh, if, if necessary, the person to death? Amarava kifatov bara'av. If a person were to, um, to tie up another, and that other dies with, uh, st- from starvation, patur. Such a circumstance that patur. Uh, why would they be patur? The answer is in such a circumstance, we, uh, well, let's read it in Rashi. Rashi will be the easiest way to, to bring ourselves through this sugya. We'll supplement with Tosafot as necessary. Five lines from the top says Rashi, Kefato vamet bara'av, shekefato. At the time that he's being tied up, en kan devar hariga. There is no instrument, no vehicle of death or of murder. Veharaav and the starvation ba me'elav comes on its own veholech vehazek leharzeman kol sha'a and it takes time until it sets in and becomes stronger over time. Velodamen, therefore, it's not similar to our uh, traditional example of mitzamtsem, letzimtsem b'mayim uba'ur, dehahoreg mizuman. In the case where we have the water and the fire, the killer, so to speak, meaning the water or the fire, is there. It's mizuman, it's in place. That's the distinction. Ra'av, hunger is something that only uh, takes place over time. You did, you're going to be hayav bideshamayim. You know, when it comes, and, and I, I, I respect when I'm saying this with a smile, when it comes to Shabbat, everybody's excited and always asking questions. Maybe this is Giramat, indirect, and so forth. When it comes to death, as we should, we right away go, what do you mean? Giramat is something to take into effect. The fact that it's indirect is not making you uh, off, exonerated entirely. Not saying that it's mutar. It is saying that in terms of the way we're going but to treat you. No, 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 because you killed someone. We still say that. Gerama, Gerama is high. It's not an accident. If it was an accident, it's one thing. You might ask, all right, you might ask the question, because that's nuts, in my opinion. I'm sorry. You might ask the question. You tell me. You started, you're doing this just antagonistically. I understand. You started, you might ask, what if the person's already hungry? What if he's already hungry? You know, as we said, in Hahoreg Mizuman were the words of Rashi. Oh, what if he is already hungry? So you placed him in the fire over here. So what's the halacha in such a circumstance? For example, we'll talk in just a moment, or tomorrow, about a situation where a person was placed out in the sun. Placed out in the sun, even though the strength of the sun is as strong as it will be, it's not going to die immediately, it's going to take time. In such a circumstance, we say, it's hayav. Why? Because the sun is there. Wouldn't you say that's parallel to a case of, uh, of hunger? Tosafot, here, this uh, small Tosafot, Kefatova met bara'av, the two-line Tosafot, says Tosafot, it's different. With hunger, it intensifies over time. 
and it's the intensity of the hunger which puts the person, ultimately speaking, to death. With the sun, it's not the intensity of the sun that needs to be putting him to death, it's just the duration in the sun. The fact that he's placed out in the sun means the horeg is there from the beginning. It's not that the horeg became stronger and stronger, it's the person became weaker and weaker. That's the distinction. So that's, what's that? Hunger, the hunger at the initial moment was not strong for killing. Over time, it becomes intensified. The sun was as strong as it needs to be at the end, at the beginning. The person in the hunger, suggests Tosafot, uh, I think very rationally, is who, what intensifies, not the hunger. What about suffocation? Like suffocation. If it's on the trunk, they're likely to die. They're not going to die. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In such a circumstance where he's placed in there, that's like, we only probability. If you play, not you, if a person placed another in the trunk of a car, that's like putting, that's like putting them in the sun. That's like putting them in the sun. Here, what's Hayabi Deshamayim, absolutely, I will incarcerate. We'll, we'll incarcerate him and we'll say, uh, you can't go out into society. We don't put him to death. Patur. And we'll just conclude with this for now. Kefato and here's your case. We'll add yours, uh, Eli, into it, right? If he if he tied him up and put him in the in the sun, or he put him in the cold, or he put him in a confined area which is hot, which is closed up, hayav. Now it's not again. I'm assuming in your case, Eli, as you described, it's the suffocation which kills the person. It's not their it's not their starvation. It's that they died earlier than when when a person lo would be put in a, in a trunk of a car. It's not going to take three days, which maybe starvation would be. It's going to be earlier because of the suffocation. That's from panic in that situation. That's uh, all right. I wanted I wanted suffocation. That's kifato bahamavamet betzinavamet. Says the Gemara. Says Rabab. That's in contrast to sof hamalavo, sof sinalavo, patur. What if when they're placed in that area, it's not hot yet, it's not cold yet, that's already removed, that's what we call gerama, we say patur, we'll return and conclude this tomorrow. Baruch Amen, Amen.